Hello, I'm your host, John Martin, here on Search for Truth, your Bible teaching program with Brian Johnston. Many thanks for tuning in and giving us the privilege of your company. Today, Brian begins a new series of ten talks from the Bible, all about Christian church life in accord with the New Testament model. That's what God intended when New Testament Christian disciples began collective service for God. Today, Brian's called his talk, Planted Together in God's Garden. So, Brian, tell us more, please. Okay, John. As we begin our look at what it means to live in God's house, we're going to consider something which the Bible tells us that God really wants for all Christians. Using the analogy of a garden, God illustrates the fact that he doesn't want believers to be isolated from one another after they've been born again. Instead, he wants them to be gathered together in a similar way to how you or I might bring plants we've selected from various places and plant them together in the way we want in an organised garden setting. This desire of the Lord Jesus for the togetherness of those who would come to believe on him was most clearly expressed in the prayer for Christian unity which he voiced in John chapter 17, shortly before he went to the cross to die. He said, In John 17, verse 20, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, referring to his apostles, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. The greatest desire of our Lord Jesus is obvious. It's for Christian unity. And this is quite sublime. To think that by the Spirit's operation, it's possible for Christians to cooperate together in a similar way to the Lord and his Father. John's Gospel emphasises how our Lord was remaining in the Father and the Father was also remaining in him as the Lord performed his Father's works on earth. Now in the church age, it's God's gathered people as those abiding or remaining in God, who are to be the ones doing the Father's greater works on earth today. But to see how we can aspire to that, even as the Lord asked in prayer, let's go right back and begin at the very beginning, with the preaching of the Gospel. Allow me to share from Luke chapter 8, one of Jesus' most famous parables. From verse 5, The sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky soil, and as soon as it grew up it withered away, because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. Other seed fell into the good soil, and grew up, and produced a crop a hundred times as great. As he said these things, he would call out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples began questioning him as to what this parable meant. And he said, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those beside the road are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they will not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation fall away. 
the seed which fell among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard, and as they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart, and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. With some parables, there's a lot of debate over what they mean. But thankfully, we can avoid that here because Jesus explains exactly what this all means. He tells us that the result of preaching the word of God throughout the world is like the varied result you get from sowing seed in a field. At times, there's no believing response because of the activity of the devil. And when there is a genuine response, the spiritual growth of those who become Christian believers can be stunted either because of difficulties or distractions. What the Lord is really looking for is represented by the type of ground where the seed falls and plants grow up and they in turn become very fruitful. This represents the case of sinners who hear God's word preached to them and receive it in faith through the work of the Holy Spirit so that they become Christian believers who go on to live productive Christian lives. We said a moment ago that this is what the Lord wants. But the picture of individual plants, isolated and scattered among other things in a field, doesn't translate into Jesus' prayer vision of John 17, which asked for Christian believers being gathered together visibly into one. Also in John 11 and verse 52, it was prophesied concerning Jesus' mission that he might also gather together into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. Of course, Jesus' prayer was answered, and this prophecy came true. We can see exactly how Jesus' prayer was answered when we read on into Luke's sequel, the Bible book of the Acts, which is really the first history book of early Christian progress. Believers weren't left scattered in isolation, but the apostles and evangelists in their missionary enterprises were careful to gather their converts whom we're picturing as being like tender plants, they gathered them into the New Testament churches of God. For example, the local church of God at Corinth, to which two Bible letters were later addressed. In the first of these letters, in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 9 in fact, Paul describes those converts, now settled into that local church, as God's cultivated land. Although the translations may not always show the difference, this is the word used for a farm or a garden. In other words, a place which has come under cultivation, the result of work which has been carried out by the divine gardener and those whom he uses. So let's step back again and see the full picture. Those Christian believers can be compared to seed in the good soil, having been planted as disciples by the Apostle Paul in the Church of God at Corinth. That is, they had been transplanted by Paul into that church environment. The Lord had used Paul as his instrument to add these believers into this divine arrangement within his garden where they might be gathered together with others. We are seeing that individual plants in a field, symbolising individual Christians in the world, become collective arrays of plants in an enclosed garden the Bible's way of describing them as being in a local church of God, having been added together by the gardener. Acts chapter 2 and verse 47 clarifies for us that it's the Lord himself who added those first believers to that church of God in Jerusalem. This is something that takes place in space and time, and God involves humans as his agents, like Paul back then. 
But essentially, the Bible teaches us that it's the Lord who adds believers to the local church gathering. And notice, the Bible says the Lord adds those who are already individual believers to his own divine arrangement in the local church. This is not talking about unbelievers being set within the church, which is the body of Christ. No, the Lord adds believers into a local church of God, consistent with the clear biblical fact that God wants this visible unity rather than individualism. We see this addition happening 2,000 years ago at the very beginning of Christianity. This basic feature of Christianity, which God so desires, was anticipated even in Old Testament times. God said, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. That's from the top of Psalm 133. In other words, even back then, God wasn't looking for a bunch of individualists, but rather for a team who, when gathered together, would be his people, displaying the unity that so pleases a God who himself exists as a perfect unity of three persons within the Godhead. And so we've seen that God's not looking for individually ambitious Christians, but he's looking for a people unitedly serving him in a visible togetherness that is in itself a witness to the world. The picture begins with a field having seeds scattered on it, representing God's word being preached in the world. Following God's sovereign plan, here and there, and scattered all over, there are individual responses to the gospel. The resulting plants are then to align themselves with God's desire for them to be added together with other believers, serving him faithfully according to his word. This is God's way, the way of unity. But an important question for us all to answer is, will it be God's way or our way in our lives? God's declared attitude towards self-will was shown once for all in the example of Saul when he chose to go his own way. Rather than doing what God had asked, Instead of complying fully with God's instructions, Saul arrogantly thought he'd managed to come up with an even better idea and then tried to defend it on the basis of it being a way to worship God. God denounced this as rebellion. Read it for yourself later in 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 23. So we really do need to be sure that we're following God's intended way as per his instructions in the Bible. We can be sure of doing that by following the highly instructive example of those very first Christians. And how do we find God's way? In Matthew 28 and verse 20, we have the Lord's commandments to go and make disciples, baptising and teaching them to observe faithfully all the Lord's commands, all of which are now found written in his New Testament word. When the apostles put this directly into practice 2,000 years ago, as we find described in Acts 2 verse 42, these commands then became known as the apostles' teaching. And even later, they're described by Judas, the faith, meaning the body of doctrine. To be planted together in God's garden, if we follow the appealing picture language of the New Testament, individual plants, or Christians in other words, need to first set aside their own will and allow themselves to be added together within the designed unity of God's arrangement, exactly as you would see plants arranged in a well-designed garden. And this garden is one that God himself can enjoy, fragrant with the obedience of Christian disciples following the way of his Son.
All Christian disciples should have a strong feeling and a desire to obey God's will in discipleship. And where else can we find what God's will is other than by looking into our Bibles? Now, you'll be pleased to know that there's also a free transcript booklet to go with this series, so if you'd like one or more, please tell us. I'm about to give you our contact details. So, if you've got pen and paper to hand, here's our postal and our email address. Search for Truth, Church of God, Downing Drive, Leicester LE5, 6LN, UK. I'll repeat that for you. Search for Truth, Church of God, Downing Drive, Leicester LE5, 6LN, UK. And our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. There are a number of ways you can access the many booklets and talks for different subjects and studies, uh, so you can enjoy these at your leisure, and each week I'll remind you of a different way to obtain them. One method is to use your computer and go to www.searchfortruth.org.uk. They or find our church's main website where you can download some actual programmes and their accompanying transcripts as well as accessing other helpful material. Also, look out for Search for Truth featuring on uh, another website. It's www.twr360.org. Uh, we're excited that this will give you yet another excellent way of accessing the uh, programmes. So, many thanks for the pleasure of your company. Next week, Brian looks further into what constitutes the New Testament model for Christian church life. I hope you can join us again. Until then, very best wishes from Bible teacher Brian, studio technician David, our singers and me, John. So goodbye and may God richly bless you. Bye.